Alrighty. Well, today we've got a fun message. Um, we're going to go through and talk about spending time with the Lord. So before we jump into it, I would love to know what is your favorite way to spend time with the Lord? Y'all shout it out. Worship? Favorite thing? Worship? Praise and worship? What else? Listening? Okay, good. What else? Just praying? Okay, cool. What else? Reading? Okay, good. Getting quiet? Yeah, just being there with the Lord. Amen. All right, anything, anybody else? There are so many ways to spend time with the Lord. And my hope today is that you leave encouraged with some fresh ways to spend time with the Lord. Maybe if you feel like you're in a little bit of a rut with the Lord and it used to be lively and amazing and powerful and it's kind of dropped down a little bit. Hopefully today you're going to leave encouraged because I'm going to share a ton of ways to spend time with God and hopefully you can grab on to a few of those and take those and implement them into your own life, okay? So Father, I'm asking that you would speak out of my voice today, take control today, use me for your glory and just open our minds, just open up our heads and deposit good things from you about how to be your friend, about how to be your lover, about how to spend time with you and, and let our lives with you come to fire, come alive like never before in these days, in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. amen. All right, so um, the first and greatest commandment is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Amen. Love the Lord with God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. And so this is the Father's primary objective for you. Jesus reiterated in Matthew 22, verse 37. Come on, guys. This is the big thing of your life on the earth. Love God first. So how do you practically love God first? Matthew 7, 7. I've got a couple great pieces of information for you. Um, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So if you want a more lively and powerful life with God, guess what? All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is seek. All you got to do is knock. If you feel like there's a big, giant, closed door right now, and you sit down before the Lord, and you're like, uh, and there's just nothing, knock on the door, because Jesus promised you all you got to do is knock on that door, keep on knocking, and it's going to open up in Jesus' name. Amen? That's so good. So then the next thing is John 10, verses 27. This is wonderful news. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Amen? So what does that mean for you? That means that Jesus promised you specifically that you can hear his voice today that you can know his voice today to the point that you know how to follow him for your specific life tomorrow and today and all the rest of your life. Amen? That's the promise of Jesus for you. If you feel like you don't know how to hear God's voice, it's available to you. Ask, seek, knock. It will be given to you. Amen? So uh, before we jump in, I want to encourage you guys, just recently, I used to be a huge note taker, and then I went through a season where I was like preaching all the time, and so I quit taking notes, and then it just kind of like stopped taking notes. But then I picked it up recently, and I'm like, man, taking notes is awesome. This is so helpful. So today's a good note day. There's 10 points for you to write down. So pull out your phone, open your notes, open your journal, and uh, let's take some good notes today. Are you ready? Say, Grant, I'm ready. Say, let's do it. All right, so um, we're going to basically walk through the last 20 years of my life with God and just kind of walk you through the seasons of what life has been like. I started to um, really know the Lord back in eighth grade. Uh, if you haven't heard my testimony, it basically goes like this. Eighth grade, I, was, I, I knew who Jesus was. I believed in him, but I wasn't following him. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't really go to church at all. And um, my best friend was over on a Sunday afternoon, and he had to leave to go to junior high choir at the First Baptist Church in Richardson. And I was like, dude, 
stupid. Don't go to choir. Stay here. Like, we got to play. Come on. Um, and that was that weird stage of like, do you, are you playing together or is, are you like hanging together? Like, I don't know. But I was like, dude, stay here. That's stupid. And he's like, my mom makes me, man. I got to go. I have to go. Come with me. And I was like, I don't want to stay here. Fine. I'll go with you. So I go to junior high choir. I show up to the junior high choir and the director comes up to me. He's like, Grant, I'm so glad you're here. I need your help. Next Sunday, we're singing in front of the whole church, all 2,000 people. And you've got a great voice. You've got to come. And I was like, mom, he needs my help in front of the whole church next week. So guess where I was next Sunday morning in front of the whole church with a choir of hundreds. Okay, so don't don't kid yourself. Um, so we go to church. I remember nothing about the service, but we go to the Sunday school afterwards. We end up in this tiny little room with like six people, and we open the Word of God, and I'm like, oh, yes, this is awesome, and I just get hungry for God, and really, I was embarrassed. I was like, I don't know how to open Psalms. Like, So I go home. I'm like, Mom, how do I get to Psalms? All the kids were like, open Psalms, and these Baptist kids were like, bam, Psalms. <laughs> And I was like, this is so embarrassed, but I liked it, you know. So I was like, how do I find it? So she helped me learn how to learn the books of the Bible. So then I went back, and I go back, and I'm feeling good. I'm like, okay, I got this. And they're like, Grant, tell us the story of David and Goliath. And I'm like, I have no idea, because I didn't grow up in church at all. And all these Baptist kids are like, right? So I'm like, Mom, I got to know the story. She got me some storybooks, and I started reading the Bible, and then it just kind of advanced from there. And I just fell in love with God from that point. And I wanted to be spiritual. I wanted to really have a great relationship with God. And so what helped me the most in that time frame was a devotional. So um, this was the first thing that kicked me off the ground because I would spend time with God. I'd be consistent, 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 drop off. Anybody ever been there? And he's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I, I remember you. Consistent, 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 drop off, right? So this devotional that I got, it was the Experiencing God Day by Day by Henry Blackaby. Anybody? Holla. Okay, so Experience of God Day by Day by Henry Blackaby. And half of it had his thoughts and his, you know, uh, opinion about the scripture. And then the other half was a journal. And then on the bottom it had the day. So it would say June 23rd. And, uh, like tw- you know, it wouldn't have the year, but I'd say June 23rd. And for whatever reason, in my eighth grade mind, it really helped click because I would, you know, love to fill up those things. And then there'd be a blank one. I'd be like, oh, there's a blank one. I'm going to do three today. (laughs) I'd like fill them all up and connect with God. But it kicked me into this pattern of just every day, take five minutes and just be consistent with God and get a little dose of the word of God inside of you. So that's what kickstarted me. Then it continued into um, using the word of God to ask questions to the Lord and to journal. And this is where things really got exciting for me. I still love uh, devotionals. I don't use them a ton, but I know they've been tremendously helpful for my mom and for lots of other people. And so devotionals are awesome. The next thing for me was reading the gospel. So I was reading in Matthew, and I start. Uh, I had a little journal next to me, and I would just read like a paragraph at a time, and I would read until something kind of jumped out at me, and then I would write whatever that verse was down, and then I'd just start writing my thoughts. So again, I'm, I'm probably ninth grade at this point, and I'm, I don't know that God speaks, okay? So I'm in ninth grade, and I'm writing out my thoughts, and then all of a sudden I start having questions, you know, I read a story about Jesus, and I'm like, Jesus, what the heck? Like, there was all these, like the pool of Bethesda, right? You know, he heals the one guy, and there's who knows how many others that he did not heal. And I'm like, Jesus, why in the world did you not just be like, bam, everybody's healed? And, or, or, you know, like, okay, discipleship's great. Why didn't you just, you know, build a stadium and fly everybody in and just get it done with, you know? So all those type questions that you have in junior high, high school, um, and I still have sometimes. So I'm writing them out. Zero expectation of an answer, but I write my question, and I finish writing my question, why didn't you do this, question mark, and this, this word pops in my head, and I'm like, oh, and I just begin to write the word, and I literally do not know the answer to my question. I am clueless. I have no idea why. I don't have any biblical backing at all. Like, I have no idea how it operates. Question mark, word pops in my head, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. I ignored it the first time. I was like, okay. Anyway, next scripture, like keep writing, right? But then it happened again. And so this time I wrote it and I began to write because I, and I just started to write out like, and it would only come like one word at a time. It wasn't like, oh, Grant, blah, 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 blah. It was like, bam, 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 one word at a time. 
So I'm writing this paragraph, and I have no idea what's going to happen at the end of the paragraph. And I'm thinking, I'm insane. Like, I can't tell anybody about this. They're going to throw me in the loony bin. Like, we don't do this. I'm never telling anybody this. This journal is going in, like, the vault, right? But I get to the end of it, and the answer that is on the paper is convincing. It's like, wow, that might be true. That's interesting. And the reason it was so helpful connected with the word of God is because I would read the next day or the next week or something like that. And I would read almost verbatim the words of Jesus written in my journal a couple chapters later. So for me, it was like, oh, oh, he speaks. This is like, there's no question. That was the voice of God. And so it connected it in my heart like, okay, I can hear Jesus and I can prove it because two chapters later, he said it right there. So, um, and I hadn't, so I was in Matthew. I hadn't got to John to know that he speaks yet, right? So that was a fun time frame for me where I just started to learn how he speaks. So um, fast forward in the journaling process, I, I learned that he loves to answer questions. And so I would just begin to ask as many questions as I possibly could to the Lord. And as I had this confidence asking questions based on the word of God, I eventually began to have confidence to ask questions not connected with the word of God about my own personal life. Like, what do you think about this situation? What should I do here? And I could feel it's the same voice. I could feel the same. And so then I could have some reasonable confidence that I'm not nuts and this is what God is speaking to me. So then I started tracking those things and just trying to have, you know, a record of what the Lord had said. Did it happen? Did it come true? And in those beginning days, it was a lot of like quick answers. So I would ask him, what should I do here? He would say, do this. The next day, it would be the result that we needed based on. So it was an amazing time period for me. Um, so journaling, asking questions, no questions off limits. You guys heard Abner talk a couple weeks ago, but he said, um, ask God any questions that you want to because he loves to give you the answers. And sometimes he's going to tell you, I don't want to answer that right now. Or sometimes he's like, don't ask that again. <laughs> okay. But sometimes he's like, oh, and you can just go as deep as you can. Instead of just asking one question and having one answer, I would then begin to ask, like, question, answer, question, answer, question, and go as deep as I could in my journal and have these long conversations with the Lord. Um, that continued. And I started a little prayer life. Um, and under, and this is in high school, I had a twin-sized bed in the middle of my room. On one side under the bed were drawers. On the other side was half empty. Okay, so it was like a little hidey hole, a little cubby hole. And so I made a little prayer pallet down on the ground. I put some blankets down, and I would go down and I'd pray and have this journal, and I would just ask all these things. But I kept getting so frustrated because when I would pray, I would get so distracted. And I'm like, God, I'm praying for Rajesh. I'm praying for Josh. I'm praying for so-and-so. I'm praying for And I'm like, oh, or I fall asleep half the time, or, you know, like, anybody ever been there in your prayer life, right? So I got so frustrated because I, I couldn't track with the Lord in long periods of time in prayer like that. And then I began to journal my prayers, like we'd mentioned a little bit last week, and then I found I was able to go really deep, really long, and, and stay focused. It's like something physically happens in my brain. I don't know, as I write the question, it's like it removes the wandering piece of your brain out of the equation and it keeps it really focused so you can just keep going deeper with the Lord. So if you don't currently journal and pray, I highly recommend give it a shot because if you were anything like me, you'd be like, Lord, I love you, blah, blah. Oh, dinner, wow. Oh, squirrel, you know, like just jumping all over. Stop it. Try journaling. It'll change your life. Okay. So let's continue with journaling. Um, over the years, the Lord began to say, hey, I love that you're talking to me all the time, but I, I need you to get to know Jesus and the Holy Spirit like you know me, the Father. And at the time, I didn't realize that, you know, I thought I was just like talking to like the one, you know, like the Trinity all together, like they have one voice, you know. And the Lord's like, no, we have three different voices, three different people, talk to each one. So the Lord, I would ask a question, the Lord would answer my question, and he'd say, now, you need to ask that same question to Jesus and let him talk to you. And I'd be like, this is weird. In the first several times, it was like weird. Because you like your whole life, you're like, I know Jesus. And then you start asking him specific questions directly, like a different, it's 
it freaked me out. Anyway, so he began to speak, and I began to learn his voice. And then the Lord would take me through seasons of learning to listen to the voice of Jesus and then the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he'd say, you need to, every time you hear a different voice, you need to pick up a different color and write it out so you can, in your journal, track. So today, purple is when I'm, when I'm hearing from the Father. Red is when I'm hearing from Jesus. Blue is when I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit. And he takes me through seasons of my life as I'm praying where it's like all purple. And then sometimes, like one time specifically, the Lord was like, don't talk to me for a year. <laughs> Only talk to Jesus, right? Which is strange. But so then red, you know, for the whole year. And then Jesus is like, quit asking me. Talk to the Holy Spirit. And so they'll go through these. <laughs> I love questions. What can I say? So they'll go through these seasons where they, like, extend the muscle of learning how to talk to Jesus. And then you extend the muscle of learning to talk to the Father and then the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's, it's beautiful and, and fantastic. Proverbs 25.2. This says this, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Proverbs 25, 2, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. So what does that mean for you? It means that the Father is glorified by hiding things from you. He loves to just hide treasures like all over the place throughout your whole life. He loves to hide it in the Bible. He loves to hide it in your daily life. He just hides it everywhere. And he is glorified by concealing these treasures of the heavenly realm, right? But your glory comes from seeking those things out. That's the glory of kings, and you're a son of God. You're a king in his house, right? So the glory comes to you as you seek those things out. The father gets giddy whenever you don't understand something or you're going after something and you're like, oh, I gotta find this out. And you just dig and you dig and you dig and you. That's why Jesus said, ask and keep asking. Don't stop. Ask, 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 right? It's going to happen if you just ask. It's because it's for his glory. It's for your glory because he conceals these things. It's how he operates. He loves for you to dig deep into those things. Okay. So who's taking notes? Okay. Number one, devotionals. Number two, using the word of God as a launching pad for questions. Number three was journaling. I'll get better at my numbers. Ready? Number four, going on dates with the Lord. Okay, so um, in 10th grade, my best friend, every so often, he'd call me up. He'd be like, Grant, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, oh, I'm just sitting in my room bored, you know, don't have a car, can't go anywhere. He's, Here I am. And he'd be like, come on, I'm coming to pick you up. And he'd drive over, he'd pick me up, and we'd go have a date, not him and I, me and the Lord, right, separately. But he'd pick me up, and we'd go to a coffee shop across town, and we'd just read for hours, and we'd journal for hours, and we'd just be with God. And, and he taught me what it meant to go on a date with the Lord. And so then as soon as I had my license in my junior year, I was like, peace out. It's on. So I'd have dinner with my family every single night as soon as I got my license, and then I'd run off to Starbucks for like two or three hours, and I'd just be with God. And I'd just read books, and I'd read the Bible, and I'd study, and I'd pray, and I'd journal. And it was like so life-giving. It was such a fun time. That continued on into Baylor um, whenever, it was, what was that, 2001, went to Baylor. Baylor has this gorgeous campus. Anybody ever been to Baylor? Yay! Baylor's got a gorgeous campus. So I would go on these long walks and just have these dates, walking with God through the Baylor campus, go mile after mile. We also had this beautiful cemetery with these huge trees, and I'd go walk through the cemetery and pray and just be with God. And then that would fuel me up. And I found, again, you know, the journaling piece. I would go on these walks with God, and I would pray, and I'd get really distracted again. So I found that when I'm walking and talking with the Lord, if I physically speak it out, it allows me to keep the train of thought like it does in the journal. So I would pray and be like, man, Lord, that sunset is so beautiful. Wow, how in the world do you figure out those colors? That's crazy. And then I'd hear a thought pop in my head, and I would speak that thought out because it would help me. And again, I thought I was nuts. I knew like anybody walking by, like, oh, there's the crazy guy. Like, don't talk to him. But the Lord would speak. And as I would speak it out, it would allow me to have these long conversations with the Lord that would last for, you know, sometimes hours. And I'm going deep into his heart and his character in ways that you can't if you don't do stuff like that, right? So that'd get me fired up. And I would be so excited. I'd go back to my apartment and we'd open up the word and I'd just study and journal and dig deep and go 
go, go, go. And then I'd get me fired up again, and I'd just, I gotta get out, I gotta go, I gotta go talk to the Lord, and I'd just go, you know. So it was this beautiful cycle of going on dates with the Lord. I used to, we had a TGI Fridays in Waco, and I'd go to TGI Fridays on a Friday night, prime time, all my friends are doing like super fun stuff, and I'm like, no, I wanna be with Jesus. And I'd go to TGI Fridays, and I'd take up a, a, a booth for hours, I'm sure everybody hated me, but I'd buy a, a dollar Coke, and I'd just be with God. <laughs> Because I was so broke back then. Um, and so, anyway, go on dates with the Lord. I think when you set apart, like it's one thing to spend time with the Lord in the morning. Like, do that. Get your time with God. But there's something special and different when you take time out of like your free time. Like, you have the total choice. And you choose to just be with God. Oh, he just eats it up, and it draws him into your life in a fresh and new way. So if you've never been on a date with God, go on a date with God. He's the best date that there is, but he doesn't typically pay, so bring your wallet. Um, number five, I mean, he does, you know, obviously he pays everything, but, you know. Okay, number five, talk on what happens, okay, when I worship with the Lord. So several of you guys said worship's your favorite way to connect with God. I have a terrible story about the first time this happened to me when I was worshiping with the Lord. Um, I was a junior in high school. My friend, my best friend, had this huge speaker system in his room, and I was super jealous of it. So I was working hard. I would, it was like a dream to have a big old speaker system like that. I mean, like, you know, like five-foot speakers, four-foot speakers, big thing. Anyway, so I get out of school. It's like 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I get out of school. I go fill up my car with gas, and I'm headed home next. And when I pull up to the gas station, I'm filling up my 1997 Honda Accord Coupe Green. I'm filling it up, and this white tr uh, truck, this white van pulls up, unmarked. And this guy gets out, super rough-looking guy. And he got to, he's like, hey, kid, hey, psst, hey, get over here. And I'm like, and I'm like pumping the gas. I'm like, uh, just look down, you know. He's like, hey, kid, hey, get over here, man. You want some speakers? You want some speakers? Hey, I got some speakers. Get over here, man. And I'm like, no, I don't want some speakers. Leave me alone. <laughs> and he just keeps yelling it at me from his truck. And I'm like, I'm going to die. Like, he's going to shoot me. He's going to knife me. He's going to take my money. Like, this is so weird. But he just, he's like incessant. So then finally he pulls out of the back of his truck this big box of this big tower speaker. And he's like, dude, check it out. I got these speakers, man. They're amazing. They got titanium tweeters. They got this. They got that. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm kind of like, I'm, like, I'm half panicking and half kind of like, I kind of want some speakers. <laughs> so I'm like looking around, and I'm like, oh, it can't hurt to look, you know? So I just come over here, and I start looking at the speakers. He starts walking me through. It's a brand new box. The van is full of speakers. So I don't know if he, like, stole from a warehouse, or, like, I don't have a clue if he was, like, a salesman. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm thinking surely these are stolen. They have to be. I don't know. Anyway, so he's like, how much money you got, man? How much? These are $1,000 speakers, man. How much money you got? I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't have any money, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't have any money. He's like, dude, come on. I'll give them to you. I'll make you a great deal. How much money you got? Uh, and so he starts with, like, 600 bucks. And I'm like, no, I have no money. And so we work him down. I'm like, look, okay, fine. S genuinely, I have $75 to my name. And he's like, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I a high school kid? What do you expect? And he's like, fine, $75. So I give him these $75. He runs away, right? And then I'm left with these two big speakers <laughs> to squeeze into my car. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what I just did, but um, I guess I'll take these. <laughs> so I put them in my car and I drive across the street to my house. And my parents are going to be gone for like five hours, right? So I, I had a system already with some terrible speakers. I hooked them up to the system, and I had a CD. Y'all know what that CD was? This is 1998, I think, something like that. God's People, Kirk Franklin. Oh! GP, are you with me? Oh, yeah, we got the church ain't going nowhere. GP, are you with me? Y'all remember this? Anybody? Come on. Okay. So I've got that, and I'm not there to spend time with God. I'm there to check out my cool speakers, right? So I put the CD in, 
and uh, I turn it on, and I go like full blast. As loud as it'll get, I shut the door to my room, and uh, I'm like, man, these, are, these sound good. Wow, these sound really good. And all of a sudden, I start jumping. And I'm like, GP, are you with me? Oh, yeah, we got this. And I start spinning, and I start twirling, and I'm shouting, and whoosh, the Holy Spirit comes in the room like never before. And I begin to weep as I worship the Lord like a goofball listening to my stolen speakers in my room. It changed my life. That one time of worship, it was so profound and powerful. I entered into a realm in God that I had never touched before because I was never crazy enough to try to exuberantly worship the Lord with my body and my might and my strength. So when you do that, and I'm not saying every time you worship God this is going to happen, but there's powerful things when you press in like that. So 2 Samuel 6.22, it's, it's when David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And he's dancing like this, like a madman. And he says, I'm going to worship more undignified than this. He unlocked something in the atmosphere of heaven in that moment as he gave it all in worship that changed history in that moment, in my opinion, okay? So when you get away with God like that, amazing things happen. There's a scripture in Zechariah 14, 17. Zechariah 14, 17. So Israel has conquered the land. Israel has gotten lazy and complacent, and they start worshiping other gods. And just like God promised, they get dispersed across all the nations, and they're no longer a nation. And then they've been brought back. And so now they've been brought back, and God speaks to them. And he says this, Zechariah 14, 17. If any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. Okay? So the Lord set a precedent. Rain in their time was everything. You did not have rain, you had no food. There was death, there was destruction. And so the Lord's teaching them your life, your sustenance comes from worshiping me. These things are tied together in a way that cannot be broken. No worship, no rain. And the same thing is true for us today. For those of you who choose to consistently worship the King of Kings with all of your might, guess what happens? Rain comes into your life. And you will naturally find. You'll be like, God, I don't understand. I didn't pray. I didn't ask for anything. I didn't change anything about how I was doing the Bible. All I did was worship. And all of a sudden, you're finding favor and blessing and goodness of God just all over your life dripping off of you. It's because you worshiped and rain from heaven got drawn into your life and watered the seeds that God had planted for all, over all the years. No worship, no rain. But if you worship, there's much rain. There's another scripture in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15 through 25. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15 through 25. This, this is when is, uh, Israel is about to go to war again. They're about to fight um, the sons of Ammon. They're about to fight Moab and Mount Seir. And so it's a big battle. It's a scary battle. They're going up against enemies that are bigger than them, stronger than them, more powerful and mighty than them. It's a scary time for the nation. And God says, go, I'm, you're going to whoop up. And they're looking at the enemy like, oh, my gosh, how? There's no possible way. And the Lord says, I'll tell you how. You're going to do it through worship. So they begin to worship that evening. The next morning, the Lord says, here's the battle plan. Send the army up to the front lines. They send the army up to the front lines. Then the Lord says, send the worshipers out in front of them. And the Levites come out, and they begin to worship the Lord as loud and as strong as they can. And they just pour out their praise to God. Okay? And what happens when they begin to worship the Lord? It says, as Israel worshiped the Lord, set ambushes against their enemies. Woo! <laughs> As they worshiped, the Lord set ambushes against their enemies. So do you know what happens when you worship? You give up your worship to the Lord. And without you even understanding what's happening, God comes and grabs your worship, and he turns it into a spear, and he throws it into your enemy's heart. He uses your worship as warfare, and all you got to do is worship. And in this story, if you go on to read, the Lord caused panic to come upon all three of the enemies, and they began to fight each other, and they slaughtered each other, and all Israel did was just worship and then walk into their land. Amen? 
Okay, so worship. Sixth thing, prayer models. So there's a ton of different prayer models. I'm only have one that I'm going to talk about today. But it was really helpful for me back in 2010. I was again into long walks with the Lord. We were in Norman. We were the youth pastors at a church out there. And um, I read this book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Anybody? Hey, 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 hey. Any other hey's? Okay, only three of you. Great. Oh, hey. Um, <laughs> Good morning, Holy Spirit. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's written by a guy named Benny Hinn. And I don't care what you think about Benny Hinn. This book is amazing. So you got to go read the book because it's powerful. In the book, it talks about this prayer model that he uses consistently to connect with the Lord. And um, the way I remember it is, can Susie ask Sally to play? These are super spiritual, I know. <laughs> can Susie ask Sally to play? So six steps as he prays every single day, the first step, can, is confession. So every day, he starts out his prayer time by confessing who the Lord is. Not his sins, confessing who God is. God, you are the most powerful being in all the universe. There is none like you. There is no demon in hell who, who even comes anywhere close to you. You are the only one who is omnipresent. You are the only one who knows all my thoughts. You are the only one who has my good in mind all the time. You are the only one, and you confess who the Lord is. Can Susie, S is supplication. And this is my favorite piece because normally when you ask, what's your prayer life look like? They're like, oh, I pull up my journal, and I've got 67 bullet points of things I'm asking God to do, and it takes me about 45 minutes, and then I close my journal. No. Okay? God is not a vending machine. God wants to be your friend. He wants relationships. So guard your heart. Protect yourself from that stuff. So supplication. Take a moment and spend a few moments asking the Lord for things that are going on. Right? It's definitely a part of your life with God, but it should not be the primary part. Confession. Supplication. Can Susie ask? Adoration. I love this one. So, again, it goes back to worship, but just adore him. Just honor him with what you see, with what you think. Just begin to adore him. Can Susie ask Sally? So sanctification is the next one. Sanctification is God. I am a mess. Wash me clean. Purify me. Forgive me of all of my stuff. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for this. I repent for this. Wash me clean. Clean slate. Here we go. Can Susie ask Sally to play? Thanksgiving is the T. So spend time just thanking God. As many things as you can think of to thank God, just thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. Can Susie ask Sally to play? The last one is praise. And they just go into a time of praise and enjoying God. I started doing this very consistently in that time frame, and oh my goodness, it was so life-giving. It kept me on track, it kept me moving, and I had amazing times with the Lord. And then life came into my, my own life more than it had before, just as I did these different components of connecting with God. Number seven, talk about books, all right? So books can be such a huge piece of your life with God. Right now I'm in a season where books are very few and far between, but I've been through seasons where they're like one of the primary things. And so books can be so helpful because Revelations 12, 11 says, We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the... That's right. Good job. The word of the testimony. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony. So when you read the word of the testimony, it creates faith. Because Hebrews says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So when you read a testimony and you read it out loud, you hear the word of God, the things that God has done, and it creates faith inside of you. It actually builds faith inside of you as you hear the testimony. It's unbelievably powerful. So in high school, my favorites were like John Wesley and Whitfield and Moody and all the super old-timey guys. I couldn't get enough of them. And then in college, it moved to a few different ones. And then I was in a season of um, Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and all these guys. So in, excuse me. In 2011, something like that, 12, however old Callie is, um, I, was, I was reading John G. Lake's sermons. And he has a book that's like, 
um, somebody compiled them all. What's his name? Lairdon compiled them all. And it's John G. Lake's sermons. John G. Lake was a revivalist from the early 1900s. And he saw every sort of miracle you could ever think of. He had the Spokane healing rooms. Um, he published ads in the national newspaper saying, if you are sick, come to Spokane. If you do not leave healed, we will pay you $500, which in the early 1900s was thousands of dollars. They never once paid out. So they had all these scientists study him. Like, what happens if we put the black plague in your hand and you pray in tongues? And it would die. <laughs> anyway, he's one of my absolute favorite heroes. I'd read his stories. My daughter's named after him, Callie Lake Wardman. I would read his stories, and it became too much for me at Starbucks in the morning before I went to work. So I had to go. I'd spend time with God. I'd journal, pray, read the Bible. And then I'd jump in my truck, and I'd go hide myself behind Walgreens on Main Street in Norman. And I would open this book. And as I began to read the stories, I'd get fed by the word of God. And then i read these testimonies. And then whoosh, the Holy Spirit would just nail me in the car. And I would read this story and tears coming out of my eyes, and I'm just like, yes, God, do that in my life. Come on, please. I'm begging of you. Come and do these things. And in that season, day after day after day after day, it built faith, and it took me to a new level in God. I think that books oftentimes have catapulted me into deeper like hunger and things of God than probably anything else in my life. Like the word of God, prayer, journaling has been this big time stable, just like solid rock. But at times when I really make big moves forward, it's because I heard Susie Joe made a big move forward and I heard her story and by golly, if she can do it, I'm going too. let's go, right? That's what happens when you hear the testimony. So if you haven't been in books for a while, go get some good books and dig deep in there because that'll change your life. Number eight, we're on the home stretch. Talk about meditating in the word of God. So whenever I was in Waco, um, we went through a time where we had a big church split. We had a little, little church, and I loved that little church. We had a little youth group. It was away on the country. We lived, met in this junior high that was super janky and nasty, but it was awesome. God came. I had a coffee shop that I, it was like my first real business that I ran. It paid my bills, and we were ministering to the kids and kids getting saved. It was awesome. And then there was the pastor stepped down and church split. Youth pastor felt like he was supposed to be a pastor, and the other teaching pastor felt like he was supposed to be a pastor, and bam, it just tore it all apart. We got kicked out of the building. All of my life like fell crumbling down. Got a job installing home theaters and um, pre-wiring houses. And during that time, I had to be at work at 7 o'clock, and it was like a 30-minute drive. So I'd get up real early, and I'd drive out there, and I'd pull over on the side of the road. And the Lord taught me the power of meditating on the scriptures. So in that time frame, Psalms 18 is the one that the Lord said, uh, read it and just don't stop reading it. Keep going. So open up to Psalms 18. NIV is what I'm going to read from. I'm just going to read some highlights. Now remember, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. When you speak out the word of God, you're creating faith. It's like a 3D printer, you know, one layer at a time, just a little tiny bit at a time, and slowly pass after pass after pass after pass, and eventually you have this thing that you can hold and, and touch and feel because you've created faith. When you speak out over and over and over the word of God, you are creating faith that becomes tangible in your life. Psalms 18, verse 1. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled around me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. But in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ear. And the earth trembled and quaked, and the foundation of the mountain shook, and they trembled because he was angry. Scroll down to verse 25. Y'all read this with me. You gotta keep up with me though, because I'm going. You ready? Verse 25. To the faithful, you show your. Guys, so come on out loud. 
To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his ways are perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? Who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield and your right hand sustains me and your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Now what do you think is going to happen to your life if you do that every day? (laughs) <laughs> you become a monster in, the, in faith, in the word of God, right? So he'll take you through times where he's like, don't read anything else, just do this. And you go deep in that. There's another one, Psalms 91, for like six months. He would not let me read anything else. Just go deep, go deep, go deep. Other, other places where we've meditated in the word. Um, I, I love to go through different translations of the Bible. So sometimes the Lord will be like, hey, just read quickly through the whole Bible and know the stories. Just let them seek, soak in. Don't make notes. Don't journal. Don't Just read the stories. So in like three months, I'll read through the whole Bible. Then I'll go back and he'll say, now dig deep in the Gospels. And so I'll open up the Gospels and I'll just plug away in the Gospels and make my notes in the NIV. Then I'll buy a new Bible and he'll say, now go through this. And the new Bible, half the page is, is empty so you can write journals and stuff. You can make notes. And so now just go through the Old Testament and make all your notes about the Old Testament. So I've gone through, you know, NIV, ESV, like, I don't know, half a dozen or a dozen different translations. Because when you read the same thing over and over and over and over, it gets a little dull. But when you read the different scriptures, it kind of awakens new pieces of the puzzle that you don't see previously. And it helps you kind of pull more out of the scriptures because it's the glory of kings to find the matter, right? So use different translations and use different types of Bibles and different types of studies to pull out things that you haven't pulled before. Um, Next, we're going to talk about entering the heavenly courts. Before we do that, one of my favorite study Bibles, if you really want to get into a study Bible, is the Dake Study Bible. Um, It's only written in the King James Version, but it was this guy named Finnis Dake from the early 1900s and in the 1950s. He was friends with all of the top healers of the 50s, and he would spend time with them. He'd go to their crusades and this kind of stuff. The word on the street, though I don't know if it's true, but the word on the street is when he was 17, he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Bible was downloaded to his brain. And so from that early age, for 40 years... It took him 40 years to finish the Dake Study Bible. And so it's like, I I love it because so many study Bibles, they're very theological and they leave out the power of the Holy Spirit consistently. Dake saw it. He knew it. He felt it. He experienced it consistently. So oftentimes his theological viewpoint on healing or on the Holy Spirit or those things is is real based on what I know to be true. So that's why I like that one. Um. Okay, let's talk about entering the heavenlies. So this one comes with a warning. Say warning. warning. Say warning. Okay, this one comes with a warning. If you do not have a base in the Bible, if you do not have a solid foundation in the Bible, I do not want you to do this, okay? Because I feel like there's a lot of danger when you try to enter into the heavenly places and you don't know the character of God, okay? So... Um, and we're not going to get deep into it, but I just want you to be aware, don't go playing around with spiritual stuff if you don't have a base for who the living God is and who the enemy is, okay? So, but if you have a base, don't be afraid. Like, the Lord will call you in. He'll invite you in. So, your imagination is unbelievably powerful to help encourage you in life, right? Right? And, and right now we can all close our eyes and we can imagine something and bam, we have this picture come up and a picture is worth thousands of words, right? Imagination is powerful. A lot of times the Lord will use your imagination to um, heal broken memories and hurts and pains inside of your body. There's this great way of doing ministry called sozo or theophostics or these things where basically you remember 
something painful, and then you ask Jesus to show you with the picture what he was doing, and then he'll show you, and it heals the cells inside of your body. It's phenomenal. So the same thing can be true with your imagination in entering into the heavenly places. So um, if, if you close your eyes and you just imagine the, uh, the cloud of witnesses, for example, you have a little picture pop into your mind, and you can be encouraged by the cloud of witnesses. So you can also go into heavenly places and you can say, Jesus, I want, to, I want to experience more of the heavenly realm. I want to see what's going on around me. Help me to see. Help me to experience. Use my imagination to show me deeper things in your spirit. The Bible says that Jesus is the door. And so what I like to do is I like to close my eyes and I say, Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the door. And I'm asking that you would invite me into the heavenly realms and show me deeper things in the spirit. And I envision this big, giant wooden door being opened. And then, and then something happens, right? So the first time I did this, again, I thought I was a loony, like throw me in the loony bin. I get it, okay? But it's had profound effects on my life. So uh, one of the really profound effects is we had um, Eli, Jack, Callie, Kingston, Kingston's our fourth child. We lost him at 17 weeks. And it was a really painful time. It was really, really difficult. And in that time frame, the Lord was teaching me at going into the heavenly realms. And, and I was crying in my car one day, like, Jesus, please, I just need your help. And I closed my eyes. And he, and he says, let me, just, let me just help you out. Close your eyes. I want to show you something. And I closed my eyes. And Jesus, I see him in my mind very foggy for me. It's not crystal clear or anything, but I see what I feel like is Jesus, and he's carrying Kingston in his arms, and he walks Kingston up to me, and he puts him in my arms, and I get to hang out with Kingston and play and talk to him and encourage him, and then Kingston becomes older, and I can communicate with him and speak with him, and we had this, call me nuts, but this is real as, as it gets, and I'm like, God, I want to I be his father. Like, I'm mad that you get to be his father in heaven. I want to be his daddy. And so I looked at Kingston. And I said, Kingston, I want to make you proud. As your daddy, when I see you again in heaven, I want to make you proud by the way I live on, my, on the earth all the rest of my days. And I want to serve the king of kings better than anybody you've ever seen, right? And it was life-changing. And it took this tremendous hurt and pain and void in my life, and it filled it, it healed it, it sealed it up, and it allowed me to launch forward into what I'm called to do. That's one example. I've had so many other examples, but I'll close my eyes. This is a fun one. Streets of gold. The Bible says it's full of streets of gold. And I, at the time, I was watching Gold Rush. I love Gold Rush. It's such a fun show. One gold bullion, a bar of gold bullion, do you know how much it's worth? $600,000 today, roughly. Okay, so $600,000, a little gold bar about, you know, however big it is. So I'm closing my eyes, and the Lord's like, let me teach you about wealth. I'm like, okay, cool. And I was like, broke as a joke. Like, I was like, okay, whatever, <laughs> you know. He needed to correct some thinking in me because I, I had this, like, poverty mindset forever. I remember hearing a story in college about Kirk Franklin, how he dropped his kid off at camp one time, and he was in a navigator. And the navigator had these um, running mat, like the, the running boards that, like, hydraulically dropped down. And I was like, oh, but also, like, offended. Like, how could a man? of God have a nice car like that. Like, I was messed up. So the Lord's like, Let me okay. And then I had to use Navigator. It's not that big of a deal, guys. Okay, like, <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> um, okay, so the Lord's like, let me show you about wealth. And, he's, and, I'm, and I'm standing in the heavenly places, and Jesus is there right next to me. We're just kind of talking. And he's like, hey, look down. And I look down, and he, I see streets of gold. And he's like, pay attention. And so I look closer, and it was like out of focus. Then it's like a little bit in focus. And I look closer, and I realize, like, the block of the street of gold is like this huge block. And it's like, you know, it's like a big, big piece of gold. And then I look over, and he's like, look over there, look at the curb. And the curb is like really thick, like really thick. And then he shows me deeper, and there's like layers of block to create the streets. And he's like, how much do you think that one block is worth? And, you know, knowing money today, like, it's worth one block in the streets of heaven, which is huge. One block is worth millions and millions. I mean, probably, like, $50 million one block, okay? 
And so in that moment, he can teach me things about the spirit world. If I have a foundation of understanding, now I would say take it with a grain of salt and be willing to be humble and teachable and like, you know, because maybe you see something wrong and that's okay. But he can use your imagination in the spirit to train you in things that he can do like this and launch you forward. Another time I go up there, I'm like, hey, what's going on? Just show me around. And uh, somebody comes and, and leads me into the throne room. Room, and then next to the throne room, I see this. Um, I see this gathering as Jesus and Paul and several apostles, and they're looking over the map and they're strategizing what they're, what's going to happen on the earth. And I'm talking to the Lord, and He says, um, "Hey, I want to show you an angel that it comes with you." And I was like, "Cool!" And I'm looking around for like an angel, and I look around and I see this like this man-looking guy, he's, like, huge, and he's, like, a giant chunk of a person, and he, like, runs through walls, and he's, like, that's Joseph, and I'm, like, Joseph, <laughs> like, Joseph is a weird-looking angel, <laughs> and he's, like, he breaks things down, so whenever you need help breaking things down, just ask Joseph for help, he'll help you knock through stuff, you know, he's, like, a bulldozer, um, another time I go in, I'm, like, Lord, what's going on? Show me something. And I have this picture of this skyscraper and he takes me by the hand and we go into this skyscraper like way bigger than the Devon Tower. And we go in and I'm holding his hand. We're walking through the lobby of the skyscraper and everybody like knows me and like knows who we are. And Jesus is leading me up to an office in the building. Like just stuff where he's speaking destiny and future and life that in a moment he can change like your life. If you allow them, okay? I just opened a giant can of worms. Judy and Garland are going to be here afterwards. They can help you with all that. Um, no, but seriously, I'm happy to talk deeper into all of those things um, and share my experiences. So number 10, we're here. We made it. Congratulations, everybody. Number 10, seasons. So you've heard me talk about a bunch of stuff. I don't do all this stuff all the time. The Lord takes you through seasons where he wants to train you in different things. And so that's okay. Like if you once were in a season where you were like the Bible boss and you just knew everything and you were like amazing at study and now you're not and you feel less spiritual because of that, maybe it's just the season that the Lord has you in. Maybe he's teaching you to worship. Maybe he's teaching you to trust. Like I don't know, but seasons are how God works. It's like an ebb and flow in the spirit. And sometimes it's fast and furious and sometimes it's chill and it's laid back, but you've got to trust that he is the author and perfecter of your faith and he's going to do the things for you to get you where you need to be in the right season that you need to be in. Amen. Amen. Okay. Stand up. I want to pray for you. All right. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for all of the ways that you love to be with us. And we thank you that there's so many hundreds and thousands of others that we didn't talk about today. We love to explore with you and to know you and to be your friend. And it really is our heart to just be with you, to just be your friend, to know your goodness to be the faithful ones. Father, we just say when there's things that are on your heart that you are wanting to share with somebody, pick me. Like we are here. We want to be the ones that you come to just because you trust us and you know us and because we spend time with you. So I'm asking again you to open the minds of every single person in the room. Any person who has felt trapped or stuck or defeated with their personal walk with you, we break that in the name of Jesus right now. And we speak life into that place. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak clearly and to help them know how to follow you and how to follow the voice of God as they get to know you better. And I'm asking that you would highlight uh, one of these things or a couple of these things and show them what's the season, what's the thing that you're pulling them into, that you're calling them into, so that they could walk into a fresh and exciting life with you, that spending time with you would be their absolute favorite thing because they're experiencing things in you that they've never experienced before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Y'all turn up some music for me.